I swear, I swear to right. God, if you posted Loli in this next this slideshow, I oh, can't, no. I can't see. Sorry, I got it out of my system. We'll, we'll see about that. Yeah, yeah, we'll see about <laughs> that. Okay, well, hello. You are listening to the Micro Machines podcast. Not much of a cold open there. More of just a warning, Ezra. How are we all doing today? Good. Yeah, pretty good. Doing pretty fine. Well, so, thank Shall we do some introductions? I think we shall. Well, you got Callum, the guy who's speaking now. The guy from the land of the long light cloud. Uh, I'm Ezra. I'm casting from the land of enchantment in my enchanting closet. I am Dennis. I am recording from Ontario. Now open for business from my uh, tank sweater. Um, Name's yeah. Greg. Oh, oh, God oh. damn it, Jack. <laughs> yeah, so smooth. Yeah, we should have made a list or something. Uh, I'm Jack. I am also in Ontario. It's dark outside. Name's Greg. Out in SoCal, currently sweating in my garage. You really need to give Craig an introduction. Oh, yeah. Uh, if Craig could speak, he'd say, Hi, I'm Craig. I'm listening now recording. Now recording. <laughs> <laughs> so the subject for today is the M50 Ontos. Ontos meaning uh, thing in Greek. And the uh, caption for this one is, If one is good, more must be better. Oh, boy. Oh, that's hot. Look at the C unit. Yeah, so the M50 Ontos was designed as a airborne-carried light tank destroyer. You know, basically to fill in for the M56 Scorpion. It kind of acted as an interim between the M56 and the M55 Sheridan. Interesting. So the the uh, tracks look the same. Um, so we'll get into it further, but the it is very much based off the M56. Uh, the suspension shares a lot of similarities. Yeah, it was, it was designed to stay nice and light, um, but provide as much firepower as possible. Basically, it was uh, the reverse of the M22 Locust. Uh, you know, the M22 was small, but no armor, no firepower whatsoever. You know, it just had the 37mm cannon, which when it was uh, released in, what, 1944, that doesn't really do much, does it? You know what it looks like? What does it look like? The if you've ever uh, seen Star Wars, the TX-130 Saber class fighter tank from the Republic. Kinda. Oh yeah. English. I I see the similarities. Yep, I see it. I see it. Um, so before we just get started, uh, quick question. I'm assuming mm -hmm. this was air transportable. Yes. Uh, the idea of this was to be um, airlifted, and whether it be aircraft or helicopter. Second nice question. Is it air droppable? Because in theory, the M551 could be. I mean, if you attach a few parachutes to this, yeah, you could. I don't oh. see why not. I do love me a little bit of airborne. How much does it weigh? Um, I think it's in the slide somewhere. I can't really remember. Lost my notes, but... Uh, do you want me to go to the next slide? Yeah, we'll, we'll kick it off with the next slide, so... I think the first thing we'll talk about is the armament because, well, it's probably the most impressive part of the entire tank. So basically, the M50 Ontos was armed with six 106mm uh, recallless rifles. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, one, if, if one of these is good, you know, more must be better, right? Yeah, fair enough. Okay, yeah. See your point. So the way that these fired, um, they could, the doctrine for these was to fire either one at a time or they would fire all six at the same time. Usually firing canister, anti-personnel, high explosive, stuff like that. You imagine six of those firing all at the same time. Six canister rounds just going off. Can you imagine? Mm. I'd hate to yeah, be downrange of that. Well, apparently even to be behind one of these when they fired all six, um, if there was a building behind it, it would pretty much take out any window and the wall behind it. Because the, uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty powerful. That's what you get when you get recoilless rifles. So the way that you uh, actually sighted these rifles onto target, it didn't really, it didn't have a rangefinder or anything like that. It was, it actually had between two to four M8C spotting rifles. So these are basically 50 caliber machine guns mounted onto the mounted onto the barrels, and they fired a burst only of tracer round. It was a special type of tracer round. It couldn't use standard um, ammunition. It used a special tracer round, which had the same ballistics as the 106 recoilless rifle rounds. Well, that's cool. So the way that these worked is you'd 
you put yourself on target and then you'd fire off a burst of these tracers to see where they landed. From there, you could adjust your sight and then fire all at the same time. Nice. Question. These are not M2s, I'm assuming. Is this the same sort of deal with the uh, M2 Bradley where you had like those port-firing M16s, which were not actually M16s and could not be used unless they were fired through the port? Is that like the same sort of deal we got here? Uh, the, so these are only used for spotting. So right. they only they only fired a burst round. I mean, they had so, a thousand rounds, but you know. Okay, so it is sort of the same deal. Where it's like they've developed, you know, they had this perfectly fine M2, but they decided not to use it for whatever reason, and developed something that was just similar enough that Gaijin could uh, implement the alternative in War Thunder. But in real life, it was completely different. Pretty much. Nice Pretty much. But yeah. So the the main the main idea of the spotting rifles was the round, and the way that it would fire had the same ballistics as the 106 rounds. That way huh. you could pre you could actually pretty accurately put yourself on target using them. How so are, How are the 106s reloaded? Manually with the loader outside. Oh. Ah, have fun with that. Yeah. I imagine this would be perfect in a firefight. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you got... Just look at the armor. Bro, for once, War Thunder's reload times would be accurate. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, to reload these, it was one at a time with the loader outside. Now, taking into consideration, there there are six recoilless rifles, right? The the M50 could only carry an additional eighteen rounds inside. Oh, so three reloads. Yeah, if oh, you fire them all at once, you had to you only had to reload three times. I mean, it's only three more additional times to die, so not too bad. Yeah, it's not, yeah, not the worst. Three more loaders. Yeah. <laughs> So for these rifle, the recoilless rifles, they fired a number of rounds, um, but the main one being the M4, M334 heat rounds, high explosive anti-tank. They could also carry the M346A1 HEPT round, as well as anti-personnel rounds, which would probably be the canister rounds. Can anyone tell me, tell us what HEPT means? High explosive. I'm going to say anti-personnel tracer. It is high explosive plastic tipped. Oh, so a hash round. Basically, it's a it's a it's the American version of the hash. Huh. Yeah, we're different. You like to be different. Absolutely. <laughs> of course, there's an American hash. Yeah. And then, apart from the rifles and the spotting rifles, it only it only carried another 30 cal M1919 A4 machine gun that had box mm. rounds of 80 rounds. How many boxes of 80 rounds did they have? How many what? How many boxes of 80 round um, boxes did they have? I think it carried another thousand rounds. Not too bad. Yeah. So the uh, the Browning was purely for personal uh, personal defense or air defense. Although. Good luck trying to shoot down a MIG with something like that, but you can always try. Imagine you're a MIG pilot, and out of everything on the battlefield, you get taken out by a World War II 30 cal. So hey, that's the... the uh, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, didn't like the uh, Viet Cong shoot, like, air, try to shoot arrows up at, like, A6 intruders? Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if they actually shot some down, too. I mean, yeah. according to the book and movie Flight of the Intruder, they did. Oh, dear. You mean the documentary Flight of the Intruder? Yes. Really accurate. This M50 reminds me of that, uh, that like, Cessna with the bazooka strapped to it. Oh, oh yeah. The uh, Piper Grasshopper? Yeah, yeah, that. Seems like a similar mindset. Yeah, so... The 106 rifle, uh, recoilless rifles, because this was supposed to be um, an air mobile tank destroyer. Recoilless rifles against the main battle tanks, the T-55 and whatnot, weren't actually that good. Um, really? On, no, they didn't actually perform too well against uh, MBTs. I'm surprised. Yeah. However, not much of a problem because the Ontos didn't actually encounter many other tanks. Um, they did use it, however, for um, like for a defensive position or taking out structures like bunkers, townhouses, anything like that. That's that's where they actually um, 
kind of redeemed themselves is they could be in a posi- uh, defensive position quite nicely and defend or just obliterate any standing structure in front of them. Fair enough. Yeah, that is always a nice attribute. But um, it was uh, during the... It was actually in the Dominican Civil War. They used the they used the Ontos as well against the rebels, and the Ontos actually managed to take out a oh god what was it? It was a French French light tank, AMX thirteen. Oh, wow. Took go. out an took out an AMX thirteen, as well as a few other tanks. So that's where it actually did perform well with tank on tank. But during the Vietnam War, it didn't actually see too much uh, tank on tank so that's the armament shall we go to the next slide so mm-hmm. here here we can see the uh, power plant yep so the ontos was powered with the general motors six cylinder inline which was a, a 302 cubic inch 4.95 liter gasoline engine so this managed to produce about 145 horsepower which meant that it could get up to a top speed of 48 kilometers per hour or um, 30 miles per hour in stupid units I mean freedom 30, units. Uh, you don't need uh, 30 cheeseburgers per SWAT team. <laughs> <laughs> and this gave it an operational range of around 185 kilometers or oh, 115 miles. Oh, you were there. Gotcha. Yeah. It must be really light then. Yeah, so it was, um, it was light, but it was still deemed to be too slow. I mean, it could reach 48 um, KPH, but it was still deemed to be too slow for what it was. Question for you, Callum. I'm not sure yep. if uh, you would have found this out. Do you know what the approximate fuel economy of this was? Uh, not sure. It didn't. Sources were a bit vague on this one. I'm going to look it up right Again. now. M50 Autos fuel tank. Because you could you could get about 185 kilometers out of it. Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to do some math right now. You would but be the also... one. <laughs> but also, as a note, the. Uh... So the transmission it used was the Ellison XT95 transmission system as well. Is that an automatic or a manual? Uh, I think it was an automatic one. Ooh, fancy driving. But yeah, so even with this engine, it was they thought um, for being air mobile light, it was still deemed to be way too slow. Funnily enough. Okay. See how Dennis is going with his uh, fuel economy oh, search. Keep going, keep going. I'll let you know when I find it out. Okay. Well, we'll. Uh, Go to the next slide, then. Oof. So, armor. How much <laughs> armor does the Ontos have? No. None. That gun's oh, not no. supposed to be pointing that way, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> the Ontos had, at max, about 13 millimeters of armor. Oh, God. Jesus. Uh, on the floor, it had six and a half. And how much yeah. did the, like, Noble Forstoic have again? Uh, 13 like, to 20. <laughs> yeah, it was 20-something. Yes. So this had only marginally worse armor than a battle tank. Yeah, made like forty years before. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, so since it's supposed to be air mobile, it's supposed to be nice and light. So yeah, no armor really to say of anything. Many columbi is it? Uh, it's about a columbi. It's a pretty short. It's a pretty small tank. Oh, that is small. I mean, it had a crew of three. Yeah, it's a tank destroyer, basically. But it had a crew of three, and it's reported they were very cramped. Uh, it was not not too much fun. Because all you've got is a driver, gunner, commander, and a loader. That's it. Now look at those recoilless rifles and how big those are. It's like the size of the actual vehicle. Yeah. I'm, pre- yeah. I'm pretty sure they're longer. How long is one of those uh, guns in Colombo? Uh... 106 recoilless rifle length, not... I don't actually know that. Are I'm not too like, sure, eh? Is it like maybe 10 feet? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the recoilless rifle is definitely really long. It's a very long barrel. 11 feet. Like okay, 3 meters. Wow. Jesus. Huh. And it still couldn't 1. get the velocity to Columbia. take out an MBT. So that's what, like 1.9 Columba? Yeah, about that, yeah. Okay, so I did gun. the math. Um... The only source I could find listed the uh, approximate range of this thing at 185 kilometers. Um, it had a fuel tank capacity of 180 liters, which gives it the astonishing fuel uh, economy of 1.027 uh, liters per 100 kilometers, which is actually not that terrible. 
That's actually pretty good for a tank. Wow. For yeah, sure. so that's actually not bad. But they were cruising down those dirt roads. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's actually significantly better than most Soviet tanks of the era. Sorry, I, I was nerding out there for a bit. Continue, please. <laughs> uh, we'll, uh, we'll go to the next slide, I think. So, the suspension system. It was based, so it was based off the M56 Scorpion. Um, and the system it used, it used is, um, is called a torsolastic suspension system. I have yeah, never heard of this. I've never heard of this one in my life until now. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to research it. And the only article that I could find any decent or description of what it is was an article around the T92 prototype light tank because that had the same suspension system. And that was after, what, two hours of trying to research this thing. But basically, what a Torso Elastic's uh, suspension system is, is, you've got four road wheels there, and they have, they're individually sprung, but then they also have, they also, they also have a tors torsion bar in them, but the torsion bar doesn't go through the hull. So it's like a cut-off torsion bar. Um, Knock-off Christie suspension. Sort of. It was basically giving a tank to torsion bar suspension system, but saving room, basically, which is was for vehicle vehicles these this small. Um, yeah, it just makes sense, really. Uh, but, question. Go for it. You see this uh, little bar I'm highlighting right now that runs over all the wheels? Yep. What's the deal with that? Is that actually the torsion bar, or is that like just some sort of cover? Uh, I think it was a cover just to try okay. and keep everything in line. Oh, fair enough. You'll, you'll notice there's no return rollers. Yeah. Um, so this, this means that it was kind of prone to track slap and destroying its own tracks. Well, see, they just <laughs> haven't uh, tensioned them enough. So that bar is just like track braces. Yeah, it's just strengthening, really, because like, it's got no real idler wheel at the back. The idler wheel is part of the road wheel system. Are these tracks metal or are they rubber? Uh, they were metal. Oh, so they, okay. they're the same same tracks as the uh, M56. Okay, because in the photos, they always look like these uh, Susi tracks, which the uh, Canadian T-Labs, which are basically just uh, extended M113s use. And those are actually made out of, uh, believe it, of all things, walnuts. What? Walnuts. Yeah, uh, walnuts. walnuts. No way. Yeah. You're going to have to explain that. Well, okay, it's not fully walnuts, but basically it's a rubber compound, which is more or less given volume with walnuts, because Susi tracks... Um, they're all rubber. There's no metal part in them. Um, they are one-piece rubber band tracks. It's like the same type again the Tamiya kits. Oh, that's cool. But uh, basically, I think the idea is that they use a super strong rubber compound, but they couldn't make the whole thing out of it, so they use walnuts basically to uh, give it some volume, right? So don't let anybody tell you that those vinyl tracks are unrealistic. <laughs> but yeah, so. One thing they did try to um, do to remedy the uh, track slap was to put in these uh, skids, but that was the, that was the best they could do, really. Um, it was just a system system prone to uh, damaging itself. Self harm is not okay. Yeah, skid help. And so here we got um, oh. diagrams of the interior layout. I don't like that very much. Whoa, it's claustrophobia right there. Mm. Is that the door for the loader at the back? Yeah. That's the door in and out. So it's just yeah, basically yeah. these are diagrams showing the inside. So you can see where the uh like bottom left where the la where the rounds were um were stored. So they were stored all along the uh floor. And you can see the uh so top left you can see the spotting rifle, how it was mounted to the actual barrel. Oh uh, Cal, what kind of optical system was used on this? Like what kind of sights did they use? Uh so it oh, used right. the M M twenty A three C periscope. Yeah, I see that now. And uh, was that was obviously like sighted for direct fire, right? It wasn't sighted in milliradians. Uh, I think it was direct sight. Okay. I mean, you wouldn't really use this thing for um indirect fire. And is there a slide after this one? Yes. Ah, cool. Mm. So this is <laughs> the active service. 
<laughs> I like that you can sum the entire active service of this thing up in one PowerPoint slide. Yeah, pretty much. So, basically, in the 50s, the Airborne were looking for something that was air transportable, something like the Locust, but with firepower, you know, something that could actually do something. Ironically, it couldn't really do anything with tanks, but oh, we'll just gloss over that fact. So, originally, they were looking at the uh, M56 Scorpion, a light little vehicle with a 90mm cannon on it, which, if you ever watch a video of them firing, the front of the vehicle actually kicks up about three, three, four foot in the air. Like, the... like those uh, lowriders you see in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've <laughs> watched a video of it, and to say the recoil is violent is a little bit of an understatement. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Plus, you got no protection for the crew and anything like that. Simply I mean, remove the recoil. Hmm. I simply choose not to have recoil. Yeah. So for the M M56, uh, they only built about 253 of those. Um, they were still used a lot during the Vietnam War, but they just needed replacement. So the M50 was developed for the Airborne, but it was actually the Marine Corps that used them the most. Uh, of course. Because... No, uh, <laughs> Uh, one of the one of the things mainly is because of its lightweight. Um, it could actually cross pontoon bridges where most of the heavier tanks couldn't, and slung into helicopters. So we all know what the Marines are like, eh, Greg? Yeah. Mobility, speed, all of that. <laughs> so, what they think about. so yeah. So the idea of the M50 was to be a tank destroyer, but no. It it couldn't really go through an MBT, so direct direct uh, support fire in the jungle with canister rounds or high explosive against fortifications. Um, it was used a lot with distinction during the Battle of Hue. Um, the the Marines liked it quite a bit for that because it could take out buildings and whatnot. So the last time the M50 was used was in 1969. Then it was replaced with the M55. Um, however, as I mentioned before, it was in the Dominican Civil War. And it just so an M50 and an M48 pattern destroyed two Rebel L Stroke 60L light tanks, and the Ontos also destroying that AMX 13. So against a light tank, could do well, but apart from that, it was mainly used for uh, bunker busting and stuff like that. It definitely seems better fit for that than, um, you know, killing tanks. Yeah, like when you got six, six guns there, it seems more fitting just to fire them all at once at a whole bunch of infantry or something like that. It, it definitely looks like more demo work than anti-tank work. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised the engineers didn't really take up on that yeah it seems more like an engineer's sort of vehicle really it's fun over function yeah absolutely <laughs> who cares if it functions as long as it's fun yeah, this definitely looks like it would be a lot of fun so if um the t14 was a formula one car and the whatever we talked about last week what did we say it was a nascar car does it make this yeah a rally car uh well well this is a six cylinder in line so yeah. yeah, but also a hatchback. Uh, so it's a Subaru. Hold on, Subarus have six cylinders. Well, I gotta look this up. Uh, Subaru. Subaru. cylinder. Subaru. Yes. Okay. This is a Subaru uh, Forester. <laughs> Boy, that makes sense. Hatchback, six cylinder. Yep. About as effective. So this is the grocery getter. <laughs> <laughs> but then if we go to the next slide Yay. we have some models no way oh my one. god beautiful so good news for Ezra Academy yes. has a 35th scale Ontos disgusting build it well, I'm actually that's pretty looking at right now down here. so that, that's the, below the um, yeah bottom left that's the Academy one Oh shit, that actually looks pretty good. Yeah, Dennis. 
Don't shit talk Academy. I will shit talk <laughs> Academy all I want. And I'm gonna shit talk then, Tamia uh, then. Or Tamia. Beloved. Yeah, you, pronounce it right, you. Yeah. But you Ezra, we know you won't be able to, uh. Right. Actually, do you want to get uh, kicked off the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is how each episode goes. I, I'm either getting threatened to be murdered or kicked off. Is yeah, exactly. Better? I mean, yeah. you could just walk out of the closet again. <laughs> Doing that at the end of the episode. Just wait. Um, so it also seems like Voyager does brass barrels and Ooh. photo itch, Gorgeous. which makes sense if you've got six barrels. You'd want them all to be brass. I will say the most exciting part of this. Look at the uh, cooling jacket on that M nineteen nineteen. That is cleanly. Yep. And then the uh, on the right in the center, that is a three D printed one. Is that that's that's a, a one to one? One to uh, that one's a one to seventy second, I think. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not. I mean, when you zoom into it, you can definitely see the uh, lines. But other than that, That's I think it would work. Surface is for. <laughs> but What's yeah, see Academy one in a different box, I think. Oh, yeah, that's the yeah, that's another Academy one, and then the top right OKB. Never heard of them. Probably good reason for that. Up right now. Yeah, eighty-three resin pieces and one hundred and six metal parts. That <sighs> doesn't seem that bad. Wait, actually, yeah. Nice. yeah. Huh. It's one of those uh, short production resin kits. It looks like. Mm. I will say here, top, top this, middle uh, one definitely looks old. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember uh, the first hobby store I ever went to. It was this uh, small place, and they had a lot of these older kits. And they had one for the. Um, it was like an atomic missile set. Looked exactly like this, and it was from like the fifties. Yeah, but that was the. Um, that was how they used to sell model kits back then. Was using the primary colors. Exactly. Yeah, I watched a good um, video on YouTube about that, about how uh, model box designs and stuff came about, and how they used, you know, mainly blues or reds or yellows. They had a they had a theme with them. Notice the purple mountains in the back. Well, that's because the uh, this is after they did their nuclear tests. <laughs> uh. Ah, bro, that's on Mars, dude. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that. You ever, you guys ever seen that like, uh, copy paste uh, thing about fifty cows on Mars? No. No. Oh, indulge like, us. Uh, oh crap. Um, you see, you're a Martian Marine. You've been conscripted, and you're put on the uh, space shuttle heading to Mars. You have to serve as a door gunner and uh, pick up some wounded. And as you're landing, you use this old clunky metal thing and uh, shoot down the rebels. You look on it. Stenciled onto the side is Tunisia, nineteen forty-two, and uh, Okinawa, nineteen forty-five, and then you scribble on Mars, twenty seventy-seven. Oh God! <laughs> oh God! Fifty cows will never grow out of service. No. Oh God! No. They're too good. Could they? When were they? When were they uh, invented? It was like nineteen eighteen, weren't they? Yeah, they were originally invented as anti-tank guns. Incredible! Oh God, I'm reading. But... Sorry. Oh, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I'm reading about the Academy kit, and apparently, barrels are in two pieces. Oh. Oh, you guys are big fans of Academy now, aren't you? <laughs> hey. What? Hey. That's just because someone's in two pieces and they're different, Ezra, doesn't mean they're bad. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, OKB set looks really good, though. Yeah, those actually look pretty nice. Made in the EU. Well, I'm going to buy one of these just to spite you guys. Do it. If I can find Please it for the less Voyager than... Set if you do. I will. If I can find it for less than 500 bucks, that is. Everyone, gaslight Ezra into buying one of these. Ezra, you should definitely buy one of these. Give me 500 yeah, bucks and I will. That's literally how much this is on eBay. New Patreon goal. Uh, buy me a better mic. Get Ezra one of these. Um... Send Greg for a vacation in Hawaii. What <laughs> <laughs> are we getting you, Callum? Here. 3D printer. <laughs> nice. Uh, Jack, what about printer. you? Of course. 
All right, oh. two 3D printers, trip to Hawaii, a better mic, and uh, an Academy 3 fifth scale M50. Oh, and I need... That's your Amazon the, shopping list. I need the uh, seven photo etch sets for the USS Enterprise. Hmm. Oh, crap. That's going to be... Oh, that sounds... Oof. I do not envy you, Jack. Rip. <laughs> <laughs> so how much are those kits going for Ezra? 500 bucks. Whoa! Jeez, what? I thought it was bad here. <laughs> Wait, literally? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 535. That's At this point, it would be cheaper for you to just buy the uh, 3D file for it and print it. Just buy the actual thing. Yeah, honestly. It's weird. <laughs> but the 3D, uh, I mean, the PE sets for it are like 20 bucks. Less. But yeah, so that is uh, the M50 Ontos. Greek yeah, for yeah, yeah. the thing. It definitely looks like a thing. <laughs> that it does, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, Gal. Thank you. Anytime. All right, well, we have a segment on this show called uh, Hilt Dial. Oh, God. Basically, someone comes on, <laughs> has a bad take, uh, and defends <laughs> it. Uh, this week, you might have thought it was modeling related. No. Uh, Greg believes pineapple is good on pizza. Damn straight. What do you have to say for yourself? I don't have to say shit. That pineapple's good on pizza. Well, I mean, it yeah. depends on what what you're having yeah, with it. Over. All, All right, right look. Picture one. this. Picture this. You go to Domino's or whatever the fuck your local pizza shop is. You're like, yeah. yo, on a medium pizza, garlic crust, cheese, all the fixings, jalapenos, uh, Canadian bacon, uh, you know, or you can get real bacon if you're a man. Excuse uh, me. Extra, <laughs> extra jalapenos, and then boom, pineapples. Get that savory, spicy, meaty sweetness. It's just a perfect combo. Can't beat it. Can't argue with that. Uh, me with a good time. I was already on Team Pineapple. I don't know what to say. <laughs> God damn it. Well, no, on. Uh... Was it the plastic posse? This is a bit of a contentious, contentious issue. Maybe we should fight them about this. Maybe we should say uh, fight to the death. Who's the better it would, podcast? It would get us more <laughs> listeners if we bought the plastic posse. Hey, oh, yo, plastic posse, pineapple is fucking great. Plastic posse, where are y'all at? <laughs> well, I am. Well, I have been um, texting Scott from the posse, so I'll Shout bring it up Scott. with him. Bro, your next text message, just say, Greg says pineapple's better on pizza, backed by MMP. It does. MMP's yeah, storm behind this one. Blood's first scripts. Text him at 3 a.m. just saying pineapple good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, I don't get why people hate pineapple on pizza. Like, it makes no sense. What even is the argument that it shouldn't be on pizza? It's because it's not original. Pineapple on pizza was actually invented by a Canadian of all, of all people. Exactly. They just called it Hawaiian because uh, Hawaiian pineapple. Yeah, pineapple's great on everything. You know what okay, is good? There's where we Pine have a problem. Pineapple's great on everything? Yeah. You gonna have a pineapple salad? Yeah. Like, yeah. Actually, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good with fruit salad. Okay. Okay. <laughs> He, he thought he had something. <laughs> it's late. It's late. You have to cut me some slack here. Ooh, get better material. <laughs> <laughs> Pineapple and fish. Good. That might not be good. No. You know what Pineapple is good? Uh, Hawaiian, it's though. good. Yeah. Pineapple and chocolate is good. You get okay, pineapple slices and then uh, put, uh, pour chocolate over it. Oh, that shit's oh. good. Really, any uh, citrus fruit with chocolate is really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, orange and chocolate? Oh. What do you guys think of like... uh, ginger with chocolate? Yeah. Awesome. Yes. Amazing. Five out of ten. It's on the mood. Oh, that wasn't a uh, a lot of a hill to die on. We all no. kind of agreed on that one. Actually. Uh, Plastic Posse Podcast. We are out on these streets defending pineapple on pizza. What are you going to do about it? I'm calling you out. <laughs> okay. So on a side note. I got sidetracked from looking at um, kits of the Ontos and just scrolling through kits on eBay, and I found a girls owned Panzer. Panzer 14. No! Stop it! Stop oh, it. No. No. Uh, no. No. <laughs> Drop it. 
<laughs> it looks atrocious. Go oh, ahead. I will say that the uh, girls and Panzer uh, kits are by and large actually just either Tamiya or Asuka kits, which are really good. And they don't put the figures in them or anything, so don't worry. Um, it's basically just uh, a rebox and usually different decals. But the base kits are usually like pretty high quality. Oh, but I want, I want a. That is uh, not me, however, condoning you buying them. You are not allowed to buy those. <laughs> I want a bright pink M3 Lee. It, they don't come right from pink, you know, right? I mean, it's only 41 There's bucks. always primer and paint. Oh, you gotta paint it pink and then do like all sorts of weathering on it. That would be cool. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Actually, I've got a photo to send to you guys. And it's because uh, I've got the Tamiya pink um, primer. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Damn, it is a pink uh, primer. Join the Discord. The link is in the description if you want to see Callum's collection of primer. No, that, that, that collection wasn't primer. That's just base paint I've got. Well, yeah. I feel like a Japanese cruiser at Midway. There's like 20 moss above my head. <laughs> Lamp. You need like I a... have one, two, three, four, five lamps on right now. You need to hang your cat from the ceiling on like a harness. <laughs> you try playing with him, that'd be it. Making friends and shit. You should make it. Well, that was. Sorry, go ahead. No, um, we're pretty much just making a channel in the Discord server for like whatever just random stuff pops into our head. Yeah, we yeah. have many, many channels now. Yes. Join the Discord. Talk hey, about people food. join the Discord, or is there just going to be random people joining the podcast? Like, yes. just like, hopping in and out of the voice chat? Yes. We do a bit of trolling. We have an anime channel. Thanks oh, to me. That was a hill to die on. That now, you will die on that hill. Oh yeah, we will. Uh, yeah, now we're this week we're just going to try out something a little bit new. We're going to be posting some photos of what we think some of our best models are, as well as just some general updates. So, yeah, since I made the slides, I go first. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is a uh, 24th scale Tamiya Supra, uh, the A90 version. Very nice. Um, it was the first car I ever did. I love lacquer paints. I made my own decals for it. Like the uh, Japanese Space Agency special. Yeah. Um, Greg, you might relate to this. I did the uh, Tamiya R35 in uh, 35th scale. Brush painted that thing. Very nice. Hashtag we're not squad. Yes, exactly. Although I will say the decals, um, the French roundels on the front just did not want to go down. Yeah, same. Yeah, I had that with my R35. They just... Yeah. Yeah. They just refused. I mean, generally speaking, people don't seem to like Tamiya decals, and I generally don't find anything wrong with them, but this was the one kit where I was like, yeah, having Microsoft and Microsoft's not a bad idea. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely helped. But other than that, um, probably the other model I'm pretty proud of from uh, this year is this 1 to 32nd scale Italeri CF-104D. Um, I've got a bit of a thing for the Starfighter, not just because it's the only modern kit of a Canadian jet you can make, but also just because it looks cool. Sleek. Like, it has a little bit of backstory for anyone who doesn't know it. So the CF-104 was developed as a, basically a point defense interceptor. So like, you can see it's shaped like a missile, right? It's got like that, it's got extremely stubby wings, a huge, uh, what was it, J-79 afterburning turbofan. The point of it was basically when the Russian bombers were flying overhead, it would just shoot off like an ME-163 comet straight <laughs> up. Um, and it would come back to Earth, right? So the Canadian Air Force decided, yeah, we're going to take this interceptor and repurpose it as a tank buster. And basically for its entire life in the RCAF, it flew in Germany flying ground attack. That was, cool. its, that was a point. If the uh, Soviets ever crossed the Folder Gap, you would see these things flying uh, unguided rocket runs on their tanks. Nice. Yeah. There's, there's just another uh, view of it. But yeah, this was the 2C trainer version. Um, really cool. I used Alclad paints on it for the first time. I think they came out half decent. I sh should still polish it at some point. But... Uh, it is definitely a nice kit. If you ever want to do an aircraft, it's, you know, as far as Italian kits go, pretty reasonable. I could definitely recommend it. And then this is a 1 to 72nd scale uh, CF-18. 
from a company called Canuck Models, and I got this actually uh, at Wheels and Wings. Uh, Jack, you these they're still selling these there, believe it or not. Are they? They're like twenty bucks. Canuck Models. If I send you money, yeah. will you buy one for me? Uh yes, I will. Oh yeah. We'll send it to Jack. I I don't have time to go to Wheels and Wings, but he does. Yeah, I'll be going there tomorrow. Sweet. Uh, I, yeah. I haven't sent your stuff off yet, but I'll throw a $20 bill in there. That'll cover it. Oh, yeah, sure. I'd, I'll just have to probably wait till the summer, but I could grab one whenever I go. Sweet. There's like a whole stack of them in, in, the, it's, uh, in the basement, Jack. Like there's like oh, 12 of them left. Okay. Yeah. So they will pro they'll probably still be there then. Oh yeah, they they hit them away. It's like in the far corner. Oh god, I'm talking to you about specific officers. It's in the far <laughs> like back corner of it. Like they've got a bunch of other kits there. It's just a stack of them. I'm sure they're still there. Are they all in but, the? Uh, uh, are they on that camo scheme? Um. Yeah. So basically, I guess a little bit of a backstory to this model uh, kit. So Canuck Models is a, it was a one-man operation, I think. Not entirely dissimilar from my decal operation, save for the fact that this guy actually knew what he was doing and had a silkscreen printer, which is like what all the major companies use. Um, yeah, but basically, this is one of the few Canadian model kits that you can get. It really, it is a modern Academy 172nd scale F, uh, F-18. Uh, but it's reboxed. So one of the things to do is they give you all brand new instructions, um, a new uh, color uh, paint scheme that was actually developed at a Canadian Air Force base. So the colors are 100% accurate if you mix them properly. Nice. But the big thing about this was that um, because Connect Models made decals, right? Um, this has very, very nice custom decals that are for the uh, CF-18 Demo Squadron. I think it was like 2019. When they had the Battle of Britain uh, bird. So basically it's like just the Canadian Air Force CF-18. You can see here it's a normal gray scheme. But the top part of it is repainted to look like the old uh, hurricanes. That the Canadian Air Force flew during the Battle of Britain. Um, that is awesome. Yeah. It, it's really, it, it was a really cool kit. It's kind of a piece of like Canadian model making history if I can say that. Just because it's like made by a Canadian company. Um, sadly, Canuck models no longer exist, which is an honestly a huge shame because, like, I don't know if you can see it here, but without any decal saying solution, their stuff went right into every single uh, panel line. Like, they were probably some of the best I've ever used. Nice, that's incredible. So yeah, this so, kit uh, is like uh, Maple Blue Holy Grail. Basically, this right up there with the CF one hundred five. Yeah. Dang. What about the arrow? Yeah, the CF-105. Oh, I think 104, god damn it. Yeah, well, this is the CF-104. Right, right, right. Oh, crap, I just realized I am kind of a maple blue anti. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, so uh, shout out to uh, Connect Models, wherever you are. We love you, oh, we well. appreciate you, we miss you. I'll grab Down you one oh. of those, Ezra. Thank you. By the way. So this is uh, one of mine, so this is the Tamiya SAS Jeep. And this one, honestly, has no business being one of the best models I've made, but it ended up that way. It was purely something that I just picked up for like a Christmas holiday, had needed something to do. And yeah, somehow it just turned into one of the best models I've made. Don't know why. It looks really good, dude. Oh, yeah. I was say, yeah, I can totally understand that. That looks awesome. Yeah, so it was like the first time I seriously went into chipping and all of that and yeah so went with the what's called the heavy assault um setup so these the sas jeeps they had basically two setups they had the light assault and the heavy assault so the light assault would have the twin mounted lewis guns in the front with the uh, passenger and then it would only have a single lewis gun in the back whereas the heavy assault you have the 50 cal on the front which i th I believe it was a 50 cal taken off an aircraft. I don't think it was a standard one. And yeah, the twin Lewis is in the back, and the driver had a Lewis gun as well. Although I actually put that Lewis gun in the wrong spot. It's supposed to be up higher, so we up higher, but it, it goes with my. Yeah, I just went, ah, oh, um, this, is, this is the driver's personal preference. It's going to be here. Yeah. He uses it when he's yeah, doing drive bys. Yep, yep. 
They'll never see it coming. Nah. So, and this was actually the first time I properly used oil paint as well for doing uh, washes and stuff like that. So, yeah. This is a really what, nice looking model. Yeah. What company yeah. is it from? It's Tamiya. Is it actually? Yep. That's that's Tamiya one. It's actually a really good model. It's actually a really good one. I love the uh, grill modification. Well, weathering modification thing. Yeah, did you yeah. do that uh, yourself, Cal, or is it, is that like a molded piece? Uh, that's molded. So that's um, oh. so that that's what they used to do back with the SAS. They'd um, remove a lot of the bars just to allow more airflow, so they didn't keep overheating. And that that tank in the front is actually a, a reserve water for the radiator. Hmm. Oh, hmm. yeah, that's really neat. Or you know, and all that all that stowage was Tamiya. It's all. It all comes with the kit. So I've I've actually got leftovers from it, which I've used on other kits. And then this one here is my IGB. Is it IGB or IBG? What's the IBG? That's yeah. It's one of those ones. Yeah, it's that one I think. And this is the one to seven hundred HMS uh, Middleton Escort Destroyer. Mm. So it was the first time I used resin. Uh, as part of the base, uh, using the AK still water and the water gel effects. Ooh, AK stuff. Please sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> nah, they're going to choose him over you now. Okay. Yep. So this will probably be the only 1 to 700 scale ship I'll ever do because my hand-eye coordination and eyesight just can't face anything that small again. I'll say the explosion looks spectacular, especially how... Um... There's the white, like, foaming out where the explosion is. Yeah. Somehow, I, that that just happened sort of unintentionally. I wasn't actually trying for that, but to be honest, I didn't really know what the hell I was doing anyway. Guessing uh, yeah. that's a depth charge going off from one of, like, the K-gun projectors? Yeah. Yeah, that's the idea. It's uh, supposed to be hunting a sub that's around the, around the place, so... I just, yeah. I did that just because it would be like, ah, well, if you if you put it in water... Yeah, it's all good, but you kind of want something a little bit extra, yeah. you know? Yeah. Looks amazing. Oh, yeah. That definitely is an inspiration to go back to doing ships. Mm. Yeah, I just won't do what Jack does with ships. <laughs> 700 scale is all right, though. Uh, I mean, it's real small. The photo etch for it sucked. Like, there's... The Middleton's got two 20mm uh, cannons on it for anti-air. And the photo etch sprue supplied had about six of them. And I used all six of them to try and get two. Huh. I was literally down to the last one trying to bend it properly without it breaking or flying off anywhere or anything like that. I bet that was a very stressful night. Yeah. Don't breathe wrong. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty much. Eh? Yeah. And then next slide. So this is my oh. 35th scale TACOM SMK. Oh, I Beautiful. Okay, that is really cool. Yeah. So this one, I I went all out. This was during one of my lockdown, one of the lockdowns here in New Zealand. So I had all the time in the world to do this one. So I just went all out, bought all the snow effects, and spent three days just on the rust rusting effects around it. Nice. So this is completely what if. So rusted. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I was only supposed to do light rusting, but then I was enjoying it, and I was quite liking the effect on it, so I just went, oh, I'm going to have to break my own rules here, but oh well. So the fence is made from balsa wood, just made that purely by hand, and yeah. Cool. That looks so good. Yeah, yeah dude, that is, that is incredible. That whitewash is... Yeah, yeah, so I do. Uh, that whitewash was just purely um, putting the base... Base green down, varnishing it, and then spraying flat white uh, enamel paint all over it, and then getting a brush, clean brush with terps, and then just using it to scrub it away in places where you'd expect it to be um, scrubbed. Right. Yeah. So it comes. So what it what it does when you do that as well is that um, you can scrub away the paint, but then it highly thins the paint out as well. Mm -hmm. So it looks. So then it gives like this sort of faded uh, streaking That's sort cool. of effect as well. Oh, that's yeah. smart. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, definitely looks like it's been in country for quite a bit of time. Mm -hmm. 
yeah so it's like the whole idea of it's just turning into late winter early spring so the thaw's sort of hitting so it's got so it's not got snow on it it's got icy slush sort of yeah that's my favorite uh time period to make dioramas of yeah yeah of uh because i did that with the vk301h i did as well that sort of late late winter gives you a lot of like uh things to play around with you know using the snow but also the grass effects as well mm. yeah 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 absolutely this kit has been one of the kits that i've like always wanted to build since before i even got into modeling i just thought this was the coolest kit because i i bought the smk on war thunder and ever since then i've just been wanting to build an smk kit but i could never cough out the money i needed to uh get one oh it's diff it's definitely a pricey kit this one sent me back about a hundred dollars so yeah, that that's yeah, yeah that's why i spent quite a bit but it, it is a really good kit um this is the first time i started doing extra kit bashing and stuff so the um so like the tracks on the 75 uh turret and the actually the two barrels on the rear those two barrels actually came from uh, my SU-122 kit. Nice. So those are, I just went completely fictional on this one. Uh, yeah, I was wondering where those came from. Yeah, so they're just add-ons I decided to add, just because the back was looking a little bit boring. It's awesome, man. Props to you. Yeah. You did a very, very good job with that. Yeah, that one's probably the one I'm most proud of so far. Oh, all right. This is my... Um... Academy slash legend Canadian M113 from Bosnia in 1994, painted in UN white. I'm pretty proud of how it turned out. I think it looks pretty good with the dirty white and just a little bit of mud stuck on the road wheels. Because you need a tow missile for peacekeeping. Yes. Oh, two tow missiles. And a 240. I really like those those rust out tracks with the road wheels all worn like that. Well, thank you. That was oh yes, those are nice. I was really proud of how that came out. Really gives it that depiction of it's an old vehicle mm -hmm. but still in use to mm -hmm. this day. I just I wish the, uh, the amps judge had thought that before he wrote overweathered. Yeah, to include uh, pictures of the I real know. thing. That top oh oh sorry that's fine. Um yep there we are. In the top picture, it just shows what the kit was like. Just Probably, I don't know, 70 resin parts, and a shit ton of photo etch. There go. Yeah, and then Dennis made the uh, the stencils for the UN, the, and also the flag decals, and then I made the license plates myself. Yes, sir. And, uh... Very nice. Yeah, Blacotta production flags. And then here is my... It was a Masterbox figure. I don't even have a name for it. It was just... I had this spare base I built up like two years ago. I had that figure. I'm like, oh, this can make a fun little vignette. Painted them up, put them together, and I ended up getting a gold for it. So, not bad. It's very nice. I like how he's carrying that MG. Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching you put that uh, together. It's like, you, you can't make it any more detailed. Oh, wait, he can. I mean, I think <laughs> I went as far as I could at that point, but. Looking back at it now, I'm really happy. That's definitely one of my favorite builds of yours. Thank you. Dude, yeah, he, he looks, he just looks worn out. Yeah. He's just tired. Like in that uh, bomb photograph, I'm assuming you add like a background to this, right, Ezra? Yeah. If if you put that in like some, you know, history book, I would not be able to tell Wait. that apart from that's, the real thing. That's not a historic picture nope. that you were basing it off no, of? No, that's the model. That's what I thought. What? I just grabbed the... Yeah, dude, that is beautiful. I, I would be thinking that's like a picture of the bulge oh, and the Germans you. retreating. Like, phenomenal. Yeah, I was... This um actually got posted on the Ammo of MIG Instagram page like in October, I think. This is a story, but I'm still kind of proud of that. How long did it take you? I think like seven or eight days. It was really quick. That's not bad. That's the figure and the base together. Um, well, the base I built maybe a year before that, and I remember it taking like two days, so relatively quick. Nice, very nice. Yeah. All right, 
so this is uh, this is not the beginning of the best build so far. This is just a little update. I uh, wanted to show you guys the infantry I'm working on right now. I got their little legs painted. And, uh, right now I'm working on that secondary strap that's almost the same color as her coat, but it's not. Actually turned out pretty nice. I'll send pictures in the Discord later. And then that tree, I really like how that tree turned out. The, uh, what do you call it? the trunk wasn't the best to work with, but I think with that glue, the resin glue you guys recommended, and that leaf puncher, it, it really did it justice. Nice. Yeah, it looks pretty sweet. It's looking great. All right, uh, second update is I posted my first gaming video on uh, the Micro Machines podcast uh, gaming channel. Sweet. It's a little VR video, some... Um, Battle of Midway, and then I got another commission build. It's a Hobby Boss AAV. Going to be starting that on Sunday. Nice. Awesome, man. Oh, yeah. All right. Best models thus far. So I'm not, I'm coming up onto a year of modeling. I think I'm about 10 and a half, almost 11 months in. Uh, this is what I'm working on now. It's the Tamiya R35, hashtag Renault Squad. Uh, took that picture as we were all editing this uh, slide because I forgot. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my little R35 with the chain from uh, Michael's little, what do you call that, uh, jewelry chain. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's good detail. Appreciate it. Yeah, that chain is really nice. Mm -hmm. It was a fun little addition. How did you weather the chain? Uh, so I just uh, primed it in black, and then I got this uh, super like open bristled brush that's pretty stiff. Got some oily steel... Model color by Vlejo. Wet it down a little bit with some water, kind of chipped it, and then I got some enamel rust and uh, just went in and out of uh, each chain link. Looking nice. Oh, and then of course pigments. Nice. I love the uh, I love the uh, texture that you can kind of see along it. Appreciate it. I added a uh, what do you call it? It's not. You know when you sand down the plastic on like a road wheel or something? Yeah, yeah. I got a bunch of that from the kit and kind of sprinkled it on the turret a little bit. Wait, actually? Yeah, it, it wasn't much. You can. It's kind of the bigger dots, I think, more so. There wasn't too much on there, but yeah, it's just a little bit. I'm actually glad someone noticed that. That's a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, my, they aren't in order or anything, but this is one of my favorite builds that I've done so far. Mm. Uh, I love the Chechen War era. And uh, this one's a little, not 100% historically accurate. There were only two T90s in this particular village. Don't ask me to pronounce it because to this day I still can't. But I took this to the IPMS show uh, last year in Phoenix. Didn't win anything, which is you know totally fine. I'm new to modeling and everything like that. But Trumpeteer being P3... It's a Vesta T90, three scratch-built houses, uh, all sorts of fun stuff going on there. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it honestly doesn't look like you've been only doing this for like 10 months. Yeah, it's making uh, me feel old now. <laughs> Y'all are too kind, I appreciate it. And then uh, That one's incredible. Thank you, this is one of my favorites. Uh, I've been wanting to build a Tiger tank for mm. God ever. And uh, this one's in Normandy, it's supposed to be Tiger 114 fought near uh con and uh yeah this is supposed to be the hedgerows north of con a little bit uh there's a cornfield on one side wheat field on the other and uh tiger pulling in ambushing uh canadian armor how did you do those flags what's up how'd you do the flag and the uh tarp the flag I printed off of my uh, computer using just regular paper, and then I just uh, I got the Tamiya cement, wet it down, or got water first, made it super wet so it kind of mold to to the base, and then I got the Tamiya cement to hold it down, and the tarp was just PVA glue water mixture with uh, toilet paper and hand painted. Oh, nice. Okay. Yes. Shout out to my wife for getting me a splinter. Camo jacket for uh, for Christmas, so I could actually do that. Thank it you, Greg's wife. In scale, yeah. Thanks, Greg's wife. Uh, so here's mine. This is uh, oh, I don't know if the 
It didn't update. Okay, I added uh, boxes just to show how old the uh, kits that I was working with were. But this is like a really old uh, 172 Airfix Scorpion kit. Uh, and like, as you can see, it's tiny. The, the tracks mm -hmm. are awful, but, you know, they have ways to be covered. You can kind of see in the bottom picture, though, how it is a little bit separate because mm. uh, it's just not great tracks. But I'm really impressed with it, and, like the size of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That is a very neat little build there, dude. Yeah, and that yeah, wooden thanks. base is sweet. Yeah, Yeah, I actually got that uh, idea from a uh, model magazine. Uh, just found a piece of wood. Well, I'm in the country. There's rings of wood everywhere. Uh, and then that's just a mixture of sand and sawdust with... Uh, Fixed with PVA, and then some homemade grass tufts on there. Nice. Uh, shout out, yeah. uh, this is kind of unrelated, but shout out Tyrone Mills. Uh, they are a, uh, they're like a, a oh, kind of yeah. a wood shop that's in the uh, Eastern GTA. So if you're in the Eastern GTA and want to make this this look right here, uh, they're definitely a great place to hit up. Man, I'm stopping there tomorrow. They have the best donuts. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. Uh... And then here's another one that I was surprised by. This is a uh, kit from a Russian company called ZV Models. I got it for two ninety nine uh, at a secondhand store, <laughs> and as you can see, it's really tiny. And I was honestly impressed by the build quality, like how uh, I don't know, just detailed everything was, because well, you can. Look at that compared to a toothpick. I did overweather it. That was a thing that I did, but I'm still impressed with it. Dude, some of those old, really cheap uh, kits you find in like the, the the little thrift stores and whatnot. Those are there's some hidden gems there, dude. And you you definitely brought that one to life. Yeah. I think. Yeah, this one was definitely a hidden gem. The uh, the box is made of like, you know, that really thin cardboard that you you know like that thin cheap cardboard it's not an expensive by any means but it's uh it's really detailed and i was impressed by that and then last one it's my newest so of course it's got to be one of the best uh dennis has seen this in person and i have yes can relate or can uh, agree that pictures don't quite do justice, but um, it's my Chilean martyr, also an old kit. It's a uh, older uh, Revel 172 kit. Man with taste. Yeah, not a great kit. Very, very cheap, but I think I brightened it up really nicely, and it was one of my. First times doing figures again, and they turned out pretty well. What scale did you say this was again? One seventy second. Dude, that looks. <laughs> I don't get how you guys do it with those smaller scales. Those, that's great. <laughs> Thank you. It's like also just on like a block of wood. Uh, thought I should point that out. Very nice. Yeah, great oh. stuff, man. Oh, okay. Well, uh, guess that was our best models. Yeah, well, best episode too. Good work, <laughs> this is uh, just a quick PSA to anyone who's watching. So, uh, we started a gaming channel because if I, I think if most of us, if we're not making models, we're probably doing a little tomfoolery on the uh, on the internets. Um, but yeah, uh, Micro Machines Podcast Gaming. We're going to upload some videos. This is one of the uh, most recent ones that we've uploaded. Actually, the most recent one is... Uh, is Greg uh, using his fancy VR headset to shoot down zeros? Uh, this is the second most recent one. Uh, yeah, I've basically just been trying out games like Gunner Heat PC and uh, uploading some tank content. So super satisfying. Just saying, his content's great. Uh, I I've been ambushed at close range by T72s. If you're into that sort of thing. Uh, oh yes. Yeah, and that is us. Yeah.
That's us. So to all people listening, um, we will post all our social medias in the in the description. Um, we do have the Discord server if you want to join it and you know see the behind behind the scenes of um, what the hell happens with us, or just general chat about whatever you want. Really, um, everyone's more than welcome to join us and get in with the crowd. Yes, sir. Hold then. That was a good episode, guys. Yeah. It was a good episode. It was. Yeah, it was a good one. Put the whole team on. Well, almost. <laughs> Rip Val. <laughs> yes. Minus Val. <laughs> uh, we'll go, the, we'll get him back. Eventually. I love recording over like 60% of the world's time zones. It's great. Yeah. That uh, is yeah, true. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, it's an <laughs> you should show him our uh, timesheet. Well then, thanks okay, for Okay then, thanks for the episode. <laughs> Pretty good episode. Okay then, to our listeners... We'll catch you next time then. Sometime next week.